Welcome to Stories That Matter, a podcast series from Way to Blue. Each episode, we'll meet with a different guest to explore the stories that matter to them, stories that inspire them, and stories they want the world to hear about. This week's guests are Ed and Wad, the dynamic filmmaking duo behind Full Summer, which we were honoured to work on the PR for and handle the awards campaign on. Um, the film is currently sweeping the boards at various high-profile awards ceremonies where it's been nominated and making the shortlist, most recently the Oscars yesterday, so we're very excited and very honoured to be part of the team. Um, we had a fascinating conversation. We put these links up to our Way to Blue website if you wanted to explore more of what Ed and Wad were talking about. And with that, let's get on with the show. Talk to us um, about the difference between documentary and narrative storytelling and what this means to you. I would say uh, what I always feel about documentary is we kind of have it easier in some senses than narrative filmmakers because uh, because we're showing the truth of human life. You know, we're not trying to convince anyone that this is a real situation. These are real emotions or real experiences people are going through. We're showing people reality and truth. And I think everyone says we're living in this incredible golden age of documentary. And I think it's because people are so hungry for that truth now. You know, we need to connect with what is going on in our world because there are so many issues, problems. You know, we all seem to be heading in the wrong direction. And I think documentary offers something that the news and all of that can't offer, which is a way for people to understand and engage with the reality of what's happening all around this crazy world of ours. When we started working on the film, I thought that documentary is something like too small in this world and people like not really interested in that, but more about like the fiction and the drama uh, things. While when we were, when we released the film out, it was like very different experience and we, we, we felt by our like experience how much people really want to watch and they are really interested about this and sometimes even more than drama and uh, movies. And I think like both are so important for people because you can like, if you couldn't capture anything in the documentary itself, like you can really create that scene again and again in drama films. At the same time, like whatever you try to do in a movie, you can't take the reality of that as you can get that in the documentary. But I feel like both of them is so important to be like in different, uh, like stories about different places around the world. like. For example, in our situation like Syria now. Wad, you used your phone to tell the story of what was happening in Aleppo. At what point did you decide to start filming? And was there a tipping point for you to decide to do that? So I started filming by my mobile phone and it was the first year of the revolution. Uh, at that time, we had no idea about how things will be changed. And the only thing I know that this is so important happening now. I don't have any access to camera. It's not allowed for us to use a camera and any kind of, any sense of, like from any one of the security forces who could know that we are filming that this is, will be like too dangerous. So we were trying to use our phones because this is the only thing that we have and capture anything for us as any record, any voice, any like picture, any video. That will be so important to save this, to save the story. The first time I got a proper camera and it was so like non not a professional thing it was so small camera but i felt that how really important for us to like 
keep going and develop ourselves and our skills and our equipments as much as we can so we can tell the story in like better way. Tell us about the process of weaving all this footage into the story that became Full Sama. There's no short answer to that question. We were working together for two years, two years of laughter and joy every day. Um, Fighting, <laughs> agreement, agreement. Yeah. yeah, it was an incredible process of collaboration because we both shared the passion for what happened in Syria. And I certainly felt deep in my heart the determination to do justice, the incredible achievements that WAD had made as a filmmaker, but also just as a human being and what she'd lived. And I think, you know, the process was about, we were both coming from different points of view. She was the insider, I was the outsider. And our journey was to come together, you know, so that both of us were happy with the expression of her story and that it felt it could connect with audiences, both those who'd lived it and people who'd never experienced it, never heard of Syria, but we still could still create a connection with them. And from my point of view, because I had no experience at all before that, so when we start working together, we had first to build that trust between each other. And I was like, really want to learn as much as I can from that experience and from what's happening outside of the world. Because for me, the only thing I can understand is what happened inside. And I really wanted to see the other perspective of that. And like Ed process with me all these two years, it was really had a lot for us both to find the line between people inside can see the story and feel that this is their story. And people outside who've never been to Aleppo or to Syria, they can feel that, yes, they are now visiting Aleppo in a different way. So citizen journalism is a form of storytelling in that the story of what is happening in difficult places can't be fully told without this participation. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's so interesting, that phrase, citizen journalism, as itself, because that that phrase came in when the sort of mainstream news organisations couldn't get into these places. And the only way that we could know what was happening was from the people themselves who were filming their own stories. Suddenly this term appeared, citizen journalist, you know, it's like, they're journalists, they're filmmakers, they're not citizens, you know, there's something in that word citizen that implies it's somehow a different level, you know, and I take issue with that because I really feel, and this film is an example of it, like I've made films in war zones before, over 10 years in my career, but I've never made anything close to this and that's because I didn't live it, I wasn't there, I wasn't one of the people who was going through that experience, WAD was, and that is the power of this film because she lived it and she understood everything in a depth that an outsider never could and I really think this is the future you know and this needs to be the future um, empowering people to tell their own stories there are so many places in the world where we just don't as outsiders really know what's happening in Yemen in Hong Kong in Iraq like places where we can't go anymore and I hope that this film is like an example of what the future is which is that outsiders empowering people who are living it to tell their own stories and to use our skills to help frame their stories, translate their stories even into a form that people around the world can engage with. And another like point, important point about this specifically, we didn't want to be a journalist. We were so happy of the term citizen journalist because that gave us a lot of like, we, it released us from being neutral and being like, listen to both sides. We as people who were li living in that bad circumstances, 
we've been attacked all the time by barrel bombs, by a very powerful and very strong violence and very strong government. When we like listen or hear about journalists outside or journalism, they were like, yeah, we need to interview the killer as we like interview the victim. And for us was like, that wasn't in our case. I can't and I don't want even to be listening to two voices. You can't even listen to these two voices and equal them in that circumstances. And that's why we were like, yeah, when people told us like, yeah, certain journalists, we were so happy because that means that we don't want to be neutral. We don't want, we want to take one side. And for many channels outside, some of them here in the UK, they were like, yeah, when they said like, hospital was bombed. I'm as a student journalist, I, I don't want to say hospital was bombed because I don't know who's bombed that. I know who was bombed that. And even if there's no clear evidence for the whole world, for me, it was so clear who's done this. And for me, it was like, yeah, I'm a citizen journalist. I can say that freely. And I want to keep doing that in my, uh, like in my eyes, you know, in what I've seen in my own eyes, in my opinion, and the fact that I'm taking one side in this battle because it's not equal and it can't be like take both sides in that it, battle. It's so interesting though, you know, because actually in the history of journalism, like and the history of filmmaking, we it wasn't so much that like people felt they had to take the both sides, you know, that, oh, you have to say like here, we have to take the point of view of this army and the point of view of this rebel group. It used to be the one side that all journalists were on was the side of humanity. And that meant that you could freely say, these are the people committing these crimes, you know, and you didn't have to offset it by, you know, presenting both points of view. And I think that is one of the ways in which our modern journalism has slightly got lost. You know, the the completely like honourable desire for objectivity has meant that we've become afraid to call out when like dark crimes are happening. You know, if you think about the Second World War, like if you were covering the Second World War, no one would be sitting around saying, oh, well, let's hear what the Nazis' point of view is, you know? And yet when we come yeah. to our own age, people are committing crimes on the levels of the Nazis, and yet they still feel that they have to, like, for example, when the Russians shot down a passenger airline with an anti-aircraft missile, everyone felt the need to include in the article, oh, the Russians deny it. Of course they deny it. Yeah. <laughs> And Ed, as an experienced documentary filmmaker covering difficult topics, talk to us about how you find your stories. That's a good question. I think the way I find my stories is by trying to connect most of all with my passions and what I care about in this world. Because we're living in a world with so much... Old troubles, that's what he means. <laughs> yeah, a lot of troubles. Because I felt that being born in Britain we were just so privileged just even to be born in this country. And I wanted to take that privilege and do something to try and support like other people in the world. And so my guiding light was always to try and tell stories that help people see our shared humanity and help us believe that human beings are capable of better things and just the diet of our own darkness and inadequacy that we hear about so much of. Fosama has had a tremendous impact on audiences around the world. What do you think about the film has resonated with um, people? For me, it was so shocking, but I can understand now after a while of watching people watching the film and be reacting with this. And I felt in many places people, like they can't really understand that this is still happening until now. And that feeling gives them a lot of like responsibility. They want to be engaged. They want to do something toward what's happening right now in Syria. And that was like so clear in everyone after every screening, people come to us and say, what can we do? 
their tears, their questions about many people who were in Aleppo. People really w- felt that this is there is like something as connection between them and the film. There's beyond a place, it's beyond a language, it's beyond a specific community. They felt that people are, as a human being, they are all sharing the same things exactly. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think it's just so relatable, you know, and I think people, um, when they think about Syria, have thought that all Syrians are either refugees or terrorists. And I think what they see in this film are people who are exactly like them, who share their ideals, who share their worries, concerns, their jokes, and yet are going through an incredible dark experience in a quest for rights that we all take for granted. And I think there is something elemental in that. I think the way that Wad filmed her footage allows the audiences to experience what she experienced. It's completely unmediated when you watch For Sama. You become Wad, you hear her thoughts, you look down and there are her feet, you know? And I think people have been taken into this space of Aleppo in a way that they've never been taken into it before. And they can feel the struggle in their hearts and that will move everyone. And have people in Syria been able to see the film? So and they uh, under the regime control no of course because because it's too risky for them uh, like some people from the hospital uh, seen the film some people who were with us in Aleppo as a friends some people who were in Turkey and there's we had several screening in Turkey uh, because now there's more than six million Syrian refugee all over the world so most of these people like they come to any screening in Holland or in France or in the UK in the USA we in every screening I don't think any screening we went to there was no at least one Syrian yeah that's right yeah 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 Yeah. and it's the best thing to see the Syrians actually in the audience and to see the Syrians engaging because and can you like the people who are actually in Syria can they see it like is sending a link to it really dangerous as well yeah it's illegally uploaded isn't it yeah Yeah. there is but like it's so dangerous because you know like now more than 80 percent of syria is under the regime control and that's for them like so risky like i can't put anyone under that risk they could just like you know kill anyone who's like trying to publish the film or like speak with people or feel at least that they watch it so yeah it's not safe at all Okay, so I thought just to end it, I'll just do a couple of the vo- these questions like Vox Pop style because they're kind of a bit more fun questions. So yeah. we'll just do one from you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we should talk a bit about Action for Sama at the end as well. Yeah. Great. Um, okay, so tell us about a storyteller, any person from any profession, part of your life who has inspired you. Sama. Tolstoy. Um, Tell us about a story um, who you were told that has stayed with you for a long time, which you share frequently. Game of Thrones. All my dad's stories about chatting up women through his life. Tell us about a story that made you change the way you were as a person. Braveheart. There's a very, very stupid film called If Only. (laughs) That's so bad. I watched it. She made us watch it. What was the first book you read? film you watched, play you saw that made an impact on you in the way you look at the world? It's It was called The Yellow Submarine. It's this like cartoon about the blue meanies and this like giant glove that flies around. And it's like a Beatles thing. And right then I knew I had to find out what LSD was. <laughs> I watched like, since I was so young, all this like tragedy story about Zorro, Robin Hood, like all these big heroes who were fighting for people. 
like Remy, the uh, boy who was adopted by a family and he was looking for his family. And I was like, listen to my parents after they knew that I supposed to be asleep now to find out if they like find me in a, a street or something <laughs> so I can go to find my like real family. That didn't happen. If you could choose any film, TV, book, song, any story which you feel mirrors your life, which one would you choose and why? You Can Get It If You Really Want by Jimmy Cliff. I don't know. On that note, let's um, end talking a bit about Action for Sama because that's something we obviously really want to help promote as well. So do you want to say a bit about that? So Action for Sama was a very important part for me from the film itself. The film for me wasn't just a film. It's like my life. It's my... I'm survival now and I need to do something. I don't... It's not just enough for me to release the film and go with it. I need to transfer this great reaction of the people to do something to help the people in Syria or be in solidarity with the people in Syria. So that's why Action for Sama created. And we were so uh, like excited about that and seeing people like react with the film and do something real. We provide people with some tools where people can really like be engaged with that and feel that they are part of that family, like for Sama family. We're doing very well. Just like today, we submit uh, the material that I have, all the like material related to the attacking hospitals, to the triple IM, one mechanism, me mechanism where they uh, look forward for accountability and justice. So we're doing like we're trying to develop that as much as we can. Yeah, we're just trying to empower people who watch the film. You know, everyone has this extraordinary reaction to the film. Every Q&A we're at, normally someone says, like, what can we do as ordinary people? And because I think it, in this world, it often feels these terrible things are happening and, you know, we're powerless as individuals, but we're not powerless. And I think that's what Action for Sama is trying to talk to. So we really just, everyone who listens to this, go to the website, actionforsama.com. There are simple things that you can do 10 minutes in your day that mean a hell of a lot to people who are under rocket fire and bombardment by these tyrants in Syria. Well, just thank you guys. And from everyone at Way to Blue, um, huge congratulations. Can we just say thank you to Way to Blue? Because it was yes. like a long time that you came up to me in the streets of Cannes and were like, hiya. I love your film. I want to work with you. And I was like, who is this like enthusiastic person? And we couldn't have imagined the amazing thing yes. that you did with the film and you very rightly are nominated for an award. I don't exactly. know if you've actually won it we yet. Won it. We, we won it. We won it. Oh we won it, of course. Yeah. I, I even better, sorry. Like, yeah. We are not just happy that we are recognised this, but even the world outside recognised you with this award, which really... For us, even means that like you're gonna make me cry. You are amazing. <laughs> Honestly, Thank you so we, much we for turned being down, from for summer family. Thanks. We turned down much bigger people, or maybe not bigger people. I don't know how big Waiter Blue is, but like we turned down a lot of people to go with you guys, and you a hundred and ten percent vindicated our choice. And I would say to any filmmaker that listens to this, Waiter Blue are your people. If your yes. film has soul and you want to change the world, find your way to blue. And. <laughs> Wait for us, Wait to Blue, for our next films. We Aww. will be with you too. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ed and Wad, for being part of our inaugural podcast and talking us through 
your inspirations, the importance of storytelling, what you've learned, the importance of the film and what you hope to achieve with that. It really was a fascinating conversation. We'd like to thank our listeners. We hope that there has been something in what you've heard today that has given you um, a bit more inspiration and, you know, just also a desire to check out the film. We hope that this inspires future filmmakers and listeners um, and we look forward to welcoming our next guest. Stories That Matter is a podcast series brought to you by Way to Blue. Way to Blue is a communications agency that plays in the intersection of brand and entertainment marketing. Find out more at waytoblue.com.